Are you looking for an athletic scholarship? You're in the right place. This is the Recruit Me Athletic Scholarship Podcast, the longest running podcast on recruiting and athletic scholarships. We're here to help your family navigate the recruiting road all the way to an athletic scholarship. He's a recruiting expert and a dad of a D1 athlete and a high school athlete pursuing a scholarship. With a wealth of experience to share, here's Recruit Me CEO, Brent Hanks. Welcome to the Athletic Scholarship Podcast. The Athletic Scholarship Podcast is a free resource for athletic recruiting education that is provided by Recruit Me. Go to recruit-me.com to find out more about other free and inexpensive resources that Recruit Me provides to help save you time, money, and stress during a student-athlete's recruiting journey. Through these resources, you can answer when to start the recruiting process, how to start and sustain the recruiting journey, and how to get a scholarship to play your sport in college. These are just a few of the hundreds of questions that RecruitMe can help you with. Start with the free recruiting power pack on the recruit-me.com homepage. And if you really want to get into the weeds of getting recruited, you can take advantage of the RecruitMe 3.0 athletic scholarship system. I have a fall special for only $99. This system is normally $127. And you get a 90-day money-back guarantee if the system doesn't fit your needs. No matter what sports you play or where you're from or what year you are in high school, you will get the coaches contacting you and you will get an opportunity to play your sport in college. College coaches want to hear from you, the high school student-athlete not from a generic recruiting service. So don't waste time and money on expensive recruiting services and take RecruitMe's proven steps to get that scholarship. You don't have to be from a big, prominent high school or an area of the country that D1 athletes come from the most. There are many levels of college athletics, NCAA Division I, Division II, Division Three, and NAIA and junior colleges. All the levels provide good and not-so-good options, both athletically and academically for athletes. Because of these levels, you don't have to be an All-American or an All-Conference or even the best player on your team. You will learn that if you are a talented player and want to work hard on both the field or the court and work hard in doing research on colleges, you can find somewhere to play your sport. Whether you play baseball, tennis, softball, or rodeo, field hockey, or pole vault, or any other sport, you can find a spot and some scholarship dollars to help pay for your college education. I mentioned that the recruiting road is not easy and that college coaches want to hear from the high school student athlete, not parents, not recruiting service. So today's podcast subject for this episode, episode 272, is three hard things for a 16-year-old to do. These three things I'm going to cover today come from my family's two recruiting experiences. As the introduction said, I have a son, Parker, that's in college now and is pitching for the Northwestern Wildcats in the Big Ten Conference. Parker was an all-conference high school pitcher from a bigger high school in southwest Missouri and played against good competition, but not what is considered a baseball hotbed for Division I college prospects. Those hotbeds are states like California, Texas, Florida, and Georgia, to name a few. These states tend to provide many upper-level players in the Division I level and in the major leagues. Again, the competition in southwest Missouri is good, but not the top competition in the United States. Parker was and still is a top student academically, and he's very social and does well conversing with teachers, other players, coaches, and adults in general. Sutton is a senior in high school at the same high school as Parker went to, and he is in the process of deciding on some of the offers that he is getting right now. Sutton was not, at least not yet, an all-conference player, 
and did not start on his varsity team his junior year. But he has competed on his high school team, both in the JV and the varsity level, and has played on some very competitive teams in the summer. He put together a great summer season and really showed off his strengths by hitting for a high average and showing off his speed by excelling in the outfield and on the base paths. Sutton is not as outgoing socially as Parker and keeps more to himself and isn't as forthcoming in social settings. So our family has two very different kids and their recruiting roads are very different, but they do have some similar or common characteristics that I have noticed during their recruitment. I'm not saying that every student athlete has these characteristics. But I've been around high school student athletes, and I can remember back 100 years ago whenever I was in high school, that I fit most of these personality traits. I have said many times in past podcast episodes that if there is a thousand high school student athletes, there will probably be a thousand different paths taken to the college of their choice. So let's tackle these three things that are hard to do for a 16-year-old student athlete. The recruiting age is mainly 14 years of age and 15, 16, 17, and 18 years old. All of these ages are subject to these difficulties in the recruitment. Number one, it is hard to bring up recruiting to your high school or summer coach. My opinion is not based on any scientific or big research-based data, but it's strictly my opinion. I feel most high schoolers either like or dislike their coaches. That's pretty obvious. Most coaches at the high school level don't interact with parents that much and really shouldn't interact with them that much. Again, it should be a respect thing, and high school is a time for student-athletes to mature and learn to spread their wings. That is a part of playing sports. So I think teenagers, out of both respect and out of fear of hearing no, are afraid of even bringing up the recruiting subject. I would say that many high school coaches are not experts or even familiar with the recruiting process, and that can be a totally different subject that we can cover some other time. I think it goes back to the teenager just not feeling comfortable approaching his or her coach. I do feel that coaches will help student-athletes if asked, but it is like asking a date out for the first time. Egos flare up and human nature doesn't like to be turned down. Usually your club or summer coach is in the business to help you get recruited, but I still see it being hard for many young student-athletes to start the conversation. If you are a star, like a four or five star prospect, it may be easier. But a majority of the high school student-athletes are not that sure thing, D1 prospect. If you are wanting to play your sport in college and aren't sure where you will fit in, then the conversation can be hard and uncomfortable. I do feel once the ice is broken, then the student-athlete and the coaches can be helpful to each other. This is why doing research in your early high school years is encouraged by RecruitMe. Because if you go to your coach too early, before you are really recruitable, then you may not get the positive response you're looking for. Much like taking a test or giving a speech, the more prepared you are, the more comfortable you will be. So take your freshman and sophomore high school years to do the basics that RecruitMe promotes and do the research. Make your school parameters list and your school list, and then by the end of your sophomore year or the start of your junior year, then most student-athletes will be prepared to approach their coach with a list of schools and with your desire to play your sport, and you can approach them with confidence. Be ready for the coach to give you the thumbs up and to help you, but also be ready for that are-you-crazy look that adults give sometimes. Number two, it is hard for a high school student-athlete to care as much as you would like them to about paying for college, or in other words, money. I feel the only real money scenario most student-athletes understand or care about is the athletic scholarship or getting a full ride. Most don't understand the importance and how much academics, need-based, and merit-based scholarships can help to get their education paid for. 
Social media, TV shows, and movies don't talk about these supplemental scholarships. They only suggest that all athletes get a full ride. You don't hear about what the real scholarship breakdown is. Like I covered in episode 270, a scholarship package could be a $5,000 athletic scholarship, a $200 rotary scholarship, a $15,000 academic scholarship, and the remaining $8,500 in financial aid or a loan. Getting high schoolers to get excited about doing volunteer work in high school to enhance their admission chances and possibly raising their scholarship package is hard to fathom for a high school sophomore or even a senior. That box in the counselor's office or that online list of local and regional and even national scholarships doesn't excite them to fill out or apply for. I hear comments that a $250 or a $500 scholarship is not worth applying for. The senior year of high school is busy anyway, so the time and effort to get those scholarships are just not very important in a teenager's mind. Those scholarships are on the mind of many parents, but not on the mind of the homecoming-bound high schooler. If you are a student-athlete listening to this, please make an effort to visit with your high school counselor and talk with your parents about scholarship possibilities. Also, remember that you may fill out 10 scholarship applications and only get one or two. The ego thing of getting told no is not fun, but it can make a difference on getting an offer to play at a school on your list or getting to live in a nicer dorm or get a better meal plan. If you're a parent, by talking about finances early, you can build in your student's mind the need and the rewards that your son or daughter could get by applying for these scholarships. Plant it early in the high school years. Number three, it's hard to talk face-to-face or on the phone with a college coach. Much like the hard thing to do, number one, it is hard for teenagers to talk to adults. Many coaches are thought to be intimidating. Most of those thoughts are just a manifest or a misunderstanding about college coaches. Some of the apprehension is, again, that the student-athlete might get told no or get told their shortcomings of their athletic or academic skills. High schoolers also need to practice talking to adults. Learn to shake hands, look them in the eye when you are talking, and also when listening. Be prepared by doing research, and go back and listen to episodes 241 and 242, titled, Would You Be Ready If a College Coach Called You Today? And, What Would You Ask When You Talk With a Coach? Have questions ready for the coach. Remember, you are competing against someone just like you for a spot on the team and for that scholarship. A coach wants to hear your thoughts, so differentiate yourself by being personable being prepared, and different. Different by engaging, not by asking weird questions. Be yourself. Show your personality. Be prepared to answer this question from a coach. Do you have any questions? No, I'm good is not a good answer. Ask about academics, academic advisor availability, or study hall opportunities. Ask about campus life or individual or team community projects. You can ask about playing opportunities, but everybody else is asking that question. Be different, but don't be weird. Again, the biggest thing about talking to a coach is being prepared. Don't forget to prep for the head coach, the assistant coach, or coaches, the recruiting coordinator, and possibly your position coach. All of this is a lot of work, but you're an athlete and you're conditioned to put in the work. Your performance on the track, on the court, in the pool, or on the field is important. But remember, there's another athlete out there just like you trying to get that scholarship. Give yourself the advantage by having a game plan. I invite you to listen to past episodes of the Athletic Scholarship Podcast. Go to recruit-me.com and click on the Recruit Me Podcast tab to get access to the 200-plus podcasts available. 
Or find the Athletic Scholarship Podcast on your favorite podcast app to listen to the world's longest running podcast on recruiting education. And you will get 15 minutes that could change your scholarship future. Right now, I'm working on a new webpage for recruit-me.com that will put all the podcasts into easy-to-find categories. Stay tuned for that. I'm continuing to give you a peek into Appendix F of the Recruit Me 3.0 Athletic Scholarship System. Go to recruit-me.com backslash system for more information on this comprehensive step-by-step program that will help you get a college scholarship. Take advantage of the fall special price of only $99. This system is normally $127. Appendix F is the how-to section of the 200-plus page downloadable manual. Go back and listen to the past three or four podcast episodes to hear the series from the start. Today we tackle the study strategies of outlining textbooks, taking lecture notes, and research notes. I will hit on taking exams in future episodes. Here are those strategies from Appendix F. Outlining textbooks. First of all, don't underline. Use a highlighter. Experience has shown that text passages highlighted are more easily remembered than the same passages underlined. In outlining a text, don't just read along and highlight what seems to be important words. That technique rarely works. Taking lecture notes. Surveying, questioning, listening. Taking accurate and concise lecture notes is essential. Develop the habit of taking notes using appropriate methods described earlier in the SQ3R technique. For example, when you listen to a lecture, formulate questions as you listen. Your main job in taking lecture notes is being a good listener. To be a good listener, you must learn to focus and concentrate on main points of the lecture. Get them down and then later reorganize them in your own words. Once you have done this, you have set the stage for successful reviewing and revising. Reviewing and revising. As you prepare for examinations, tests, or other assessments, you should spend time reviewing and revising your lecture notes. Begin the process by reviewing your notes right after the lecture. If you wait too long, you may discover that your notes don't make sense. Don't hesitate to revise your notes based on the review process. Research notes. Any form of note-taking that requires compilation of information by categories rather than in a narrative form is best done using index cards. You can sort, edit, and arrange index cards to suit your particular study needs. The most important point in using cards is to indicate the correct reference or topic at the top of each card. Use the cards for study, review, to organize information for papers, reports, or projects. An even better idea, if you have a personal computer, is to organize your categorical information into a database. Once you set it up, finding, updating, and adding new information is quite easy. If you have a printer, you can print out your notes in a variety of ways. Join me next week as we take on taking examinations. Here's a testimonial from a parent of a recent committed college baseball player in the class of 2022. The parent writes, The Recruit Me podcast and the Recruit Me Power Pack with the player profile helped us with the layout and is a helpful tool to send to coaches with my son's information. Thank you for that review. Get the free recruiting power pack at recruit-me.com. Thank you for listening this week, and please share this podcast with other athletes, coaches, and families that are on their recruiting journey.